Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Krivy, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and uh, chestburster, Alex Dandino. It's weird that he fits inside of me, but we've done it before. Uh, that sounded... Sure. Now we'll leave it in. It We're going to leave real, that in a little Listen, it sounded suspicious, but, you know, honest. Our wives have to hear someday. This is the best way. <laughs> All right, before our divorces, we got to make that money. <laughs> if you want to support the show and help me and Alex get through our, our pending divorces, uh, go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It's the best way to help us grow the show, support us so we can keep this show going. It's also the best way to get the most out of the show for yourself. Uh, so if you go over there, you get a vote every month on our Patreon exclusives in our ever-growing library. We have awesome movies coming up over there. Uh, this month, it was Snowpiercer and Oculus, so good stuff, right? We let you guys vote on what you want in there. You get your commentaries. You get your Tales from the Crypt miniseries and more to come. You can even have, uh, even have us program a double feature. We got a great community over there that you want to be a part of. So uh, thank you again to everyone who does support us. Thank you to those of you who are about to as well. The YouTube Film Alchemist, if you want to just, you know, see our face, you hear our voice, you're like, I gots to see. I gots to see. We're there. <laughs> it's like the scene at the end of Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera, but we're there. Uh, the email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. And guys, some easy things you can do to help us out if you can't financially donate. Five-star ratings and reviews everywhere you find it. Help us defeat uh, the algorithmic mother that just does not respect our lives. Just does not quit. Just does not. Also, find a friend you know who loves movies, right? Send him a direct message. Send him a text message, right? Listen to a show with them while you have them captive in your car driving somewhere. Share the show specifically with one of your movie-loving friends, and we will take it from there. We're trying to grow this thing Ponzi scheme style. Guys, I know it's awkward to tell a friend when you're driving, you got to check out this podcast, because then you're going to sit there and listen to other people talk. It's, it can be strange. Pick a, I do that all the time. Pick a bit from one of these pods, one of your favorites. Think about one that you think about a lot, and just throw it on real quick. <laughs> Maybe it'll give a, maybe and maybe that'll get us a buck. You're but doing that, the old drug dealer. First taste is free. That's my suggestion. Don't freak okay. people out with like our weird intro music because sometimes people get turned off by that. I get it, but it might be time for new intro. Yeah, music. I'm wondering too. Like Griffey and I decided on this intro music very arbitrarily, so maybe we need to get. Well, some new it stuff. was uh, music that a friend of mine he had made two songs for us to use on various projects we're doing. It was the one I hadn't used before. I think. Well, no, the reason we did it was because it has the gong. That was the reason we did it. it oh, I do love a gong. Had the gong not been in gong. that set that 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 segment, I probably would have said no. But that was too good to pass up. I got another one that sounds metal as fuck. It's like King Kong at the gate. Anyways. Music aside, you guys don't need to be here for our business meetings. This is what we do. We do high-minded business shit. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of business Very shit. Very corporate. <laughs> yeah, have you ever been on a, just a corporate haul, right? You're just long hauling across space with your fellow space truckers, and then the corporation just decides, you know what? You're the same as a tire. They don't care about blowing you out. Yep. They got work for you to do. We know that life. Enter <laughs> Alien. Uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yes. No qualifier, no sci-fi, no horror. Nope. Right. Just one of the greatest Just movies. Purely one of the greatest accomplishments in cinema history. Yes. Alien. Uh so we've decided this month, right? We got we got a couple weeks here. We did our Oscar movies. We got a couple weeks before we hit our uh, our big event in April. And we had three three slots, right? And I said, you know what we haven't done? We did Alien Resurrection. That's another, weirdly the only one classic. we've gotten to. We have not done Alien 1 through 3. So that is the plan for this March, guys. Uh, every Thursday, you'll be getting an Alien episode moving forward. So Alien, Aliens, Alien 3. I, If I had to say, if I had 10 movies, right? Best 10 movies. This is for sure in it. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that sometimes I forget to revisit. But when I do, I'm always blown away. It's a movie that achieves that that absolute perfect slow burn discovery horror, but yeah. doesn't need to actually be three fucking hours. Uh, take notes, everyone. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's it's literally just perfect from casting to look to vibe to possibly the greatest creature design of all time. This movie does not miss once. Alex, 
opening thoughts on Alien. I don't think I disagree with any of that. The, the assessment is pretty sound. Uh, I don't know when the first time was that I watched this movie. I know that this, like, I think it's. I've made it pretty clear on this pod over the years. My parents were not like, hey, let's go watch a horror movie, parents. Um, <laughs> however, this movie has a very special place in my parents' heart uh, and was one that they had seen. Um now they didn't stay through the whole th- through the whole movie because mainly they did not know that they were walking into Alien. Um, during their first wedding anniversary, Don and Pat, my tried and trues, they uh, walked into the theater like, "Let's go see a movie." The uh, people who worked at the theater had spelled Alien wrong on the marquee and written Aline, <laughs> so my parents did not know what it was, <laughs> and we're like, "Didn't hear about that movie. Why don't we go check it out?" <laughs> and walked in. This will be a and nice tale about a young woman's journey to God knows where. Right as John Hurt's chest exploded was when my mom said, I cannot watch this movie anymore and walked out. As you know, my mother <laughs> of the pod, who's now seen society with us. Uh, Your mom did do a feature length commentary where we subjected her to society. But my mom in her younger days had absolutely no interest in watching chest bursters and shit like that, so they walked out halfway through the movie. I like that your mom was like totally fine with the alien face set but this is too far this that was a, that apparently That's that was bridge a bridge too, too far you would think as soon as you see an alien attached to a guy's face you'd be like that's it for me. My I don't pa- believe Eileen's ever going to show up. As milk toast as my parents' mo- mo- taste in movies sometimes is, they do have the occasional like willingness to sit down and watch some weird shit. Yeah. But you know, again, I think on a first anniversary uh, date that they were out on, they were not sure that th- they were not. <laughs> that was That's not a what hot they were. Day, dude. They were That's not, a primal movie. That they gets had no the primal idea they were getting into flowing. That. But uh, that's the uh, goddamn. We got to procreate because this shit is not guaranteed. But yeah, so. <laughs> uh, from One the, wrong pit stop and it's all over for mankind. From then on, my in my house, the the movie was Alien was known as Aline because again, thank you to whoever wrote that in the marquee. But <laughs> I watched this on my own um, as often I did when I was younger. When I snuck downstairs to watch movies on HBO because HBO was available to us at, for a certain amount of time, um, and yeah, awesome, fucking blown away. Never been more. I'll say this. As far as creature design goes, a xenomorph haunted my dreams for a very long time as a young kid. Like, that truly is one of the most terrifying designs yeah. ever. Like, I cannot imagine a movie. I cannot imagine anything like other than maybe, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, maybe when well, I was we were, a kid. We were talking about this. Like, what are the best creature designs that you've ever seen in a movie? I mean... And I was like, this this era was lucky because you had this and Predator, yeah, kind of both hitting in in similar eras, yeah. It, Those two were probably them. They're Wolf probably Man. the two, right? I mean, some of the Universal stuff was good, but I'm talking about if you're creating something that looks not of this world, like not a human in makeup. Yeah. If we're talking about, like, I would aliens. argue that Gremlins has amazing creature work. Yeah, right. That movie doesn't work without the Gremlin design. Sure. So. But I just, the more I racked my brain, I was like, the only thing I think that you could even put in the same ballpark is Xenomorph, as far as effectiveness, right? I'm sure there are creatures that are harder to to design, whatever. The most effective creature ever made, monster. The only thing I think you could put close and make an argument is Godzilla. Yeah, I mean... Godzilla became his own iconography and and series. But to me, the Xenomorph is, is just... It's it's like Ash says, right? It is a a perfect organism. Yeah, that's like right. It is it is nature honing because this is this movie really hits on that because this is the the fun horror movie one, right? This is the haunted house in space. Yeah. What this movie does is it takes us back to our most primal human fear, right? Is when we were were young as a species, the sun would go down and we could not see. We could hear and know that things were out there and things ate us, right? This movie said, what if for thousands, if not millions of extra years, that in that vast darkness, right, that somewhere out there, unbeseen to us, Nate unbeseen, unseen, what a fucking fool I am. See, I would never, I can't even be a space trucker. But unseen to us, nature had kept cooking. Yeah. And s- something came out of the dark 
that was dark incarnate. And even weird stuff. Like, why does it have the, like, the extra mouth in the mouth? Right. Doesn't matter because it's fucking awesome. Because those of you who are on our Patreon, we watched Yodorowsky's Dune as a, a community once. And a lot of what Yodorowsky did that is still intact in the, the history of cinema, he brought together the team that then essentially just rolled over. And so a lot of those guys went to Alien, right? Giger designed a lot of the, the parts of this movie. Yeah. Right. The Xenomorph was in a Giger drawing that Ridley Scott saw. And he's like, that's the thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dan O'Bannon was working with with, uh, you know, Yodorowsky yeah. and all these guys. Like, so a lot of the guys who were doing that just were like, oh, Dune's not happening. Cool. We'll go help make Alien. <laughs> and it became this fucking, you know, icon yeah. iconic property. But I think it's that that Giger's mind. Right. Where it is an organic life, but it looks so inhuman. It yeah. looks metallic, but it's always wet and kind of soft. Mm-hmm. It's got acidic blood. I think that's... I mean, this this creature from birth... And that's the other thing. This is the only creature we see from birth to grave. Yeah. I think that's the thing about it is there's no... There's nothing... There's nothing familiar about the xenomorph. Like, that, I think, is the most... That is the most iconic thing you can come up with because, like, Godzilla is, yeah, its own iconography alone, but Godzilla is a giant lizard. So, like, you're looking at it and that's like a T Rex, yeah. You have that, you have that dinosauric reference. There is nothing like the xenomorph, and it's it's terrifying because there's nothing about it that feels familiar. Everything about it is literally alien, and that alone is what terrifies us all because. When there is something that you have no idea, when there's something that you have no visual reference for, when you are a kid, when we, when you're a kid, when you, when, when you're a child and you see this and you see mm. something wholly original like that, and you have absolutely no idea what it was, where it came from. Oh yeah, the thing it walks about right out of your nightmare. Right. The <laughs> thing about it is, it might exist. That's the scary part because you haven't ever seen it before. When you have that visual reference, there is a comfort level of like, oh, well, that sort of looks like that. I've seen something like that in a book or something like that. No one's ever seen a xenomorph before. That's terrifying. No, absolutely. And this is this this movie. The creature also works within the context of the film, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one space is the scariest, most unforgiving part of our existence. As anyone who hits a sufficient level of intelligence and self-reflection, right? You cannot help but begin to fall into some kind of nihilism, right? Right. If you go far enough, right, you have to answer the question with either religion or nihilism, right? Like, I think that something has made all of this, right? It's too magical to be explained. It's too incomprehensible, right? Right. That we in this infinite fucking sea of nothing... That this all exists, right? That we get to watch a movie like Alien in the middle of the fucking vastness of space is, like, hard to fathom, right? Right. And so that that basic fear of uselessness paired with this apex predator, paired with the fact that when faced with a perfect killing machine organism that we know brought down another society, like, I forgot how important that was. I think Prometheus kind of left a a shit taste in my mouth, right? I forgot how important it was to me the first time I watched Alien just to be like, that's a giant astronaut. Yeah. Right? In this miraculous-looking ship. The wonder of that carries you a lot through the movie, right? But this is uh, something that brought down this this unbelievable ship, an unbelievable pilot, and we're just like, we can make dollars on that. So the Xenomorph is hitting on so many levels of what makes us weak and fallible. And then I think the most important design, right? Besides the acid blood, the black armor, the extra mouth, the, you know, scythe tail, it has no eyes. I think that's a very important element for us. Yeah. Because every monster that comes from Earth, planet Earth, almost it always has eyeballs. Or it has some kind of weird, like, echolocation thing, right? All the monster movie monsters that we're kind of used to. Unless it's the blob and it just rolls around. The fact that the Xenomorph seems to just be able to see us without eyeballs. And that's the other thing. When you watch Predator, that looks like a man dressed up as a monster, right? He moves like us. He walks like us. He has eyeballs like us. The Xenomorph, and I think that's a key thing, right? We get a lot of our empathy comes from eyes. 
right? Yeah. Being able to look in someone or something else's eyes, right? That's the Puss in Boots joke, right? The big ass eyes. The Xenomorph's not Puss in Booting around this film. It hides and it mauls, and that's all it fucking does. And so I just, I think that is a, not only design, but as it works in the movie, I think it's the greatest creature ever made. Well, I mean, Ash says it best. It's true. A it perfect is. organism. I, when he says, I don't think you know what you're dealing with yet, I, which is also perfect because he is a synthetic, I think is what they we'll call get to, him in this We'll get segment. to that because yes. that scene is probably one of my favorite in the entire movie. Um, oh, Ian Holm fucking crushes yeah. that role. But it took me – this is something that um, struck me because this is – like I I promised myself I would not bring up Prometheus during this podcast, but I do have to bring up this like very important distinction here is when I was younger and I watched this movie, it struck me. I was like, why the fuck are all these people so in, so engaged by this thing? Like, like, because they're in space, you automatically assume there are scientists and Ash is actually the only science officer on the whole fucking ship. What I think struck me when I got older, I was like, wait a second. And you said it at the front, but I never really thought about it. Because I think the other thing, too, is this is a movie I always saw on TV. So mm -hmm. watching it the first time, like, I remember watching it the first time through like on like DVD special edition or something like that. Because we watched the director's cut, I think. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're, they're truckers. They yeah. they are long haulers, and I was like, and I they might as well work on a carnival cruise ship because they have the they have the little readout that comes at the very beginning of the movie when the ships uh, flying over through the through the shot, the Nostromo, and yeah. I was like, holy shit, the Nostromo is just a giant semi, and all these guys are just the people that are maintaining the semi truck. So yep. that fallacy of like the fallacy that happens in like Prometheus, where like everyone's a science officer essentially, mm -hmm. and all of like none of them have everyone's a science officer and abs so absolutely none of them have an excuse for being like dipshits this one is fascinating because all of them are have this fallibility of like while they are long haulers in deep space they are still long haulers in deep space specifically meant to just bring back mineral ore like they have a payload like these kinds yeah. of things that are very specific to what i think you and i would equate to like it's essentially like blue collar space workers yeah it's Smokey and the bandit and the right. alien exactly so you so they have absolutely no idea what they're stepping into i think that's a really specific distinction sometimes that yes. people miss when they're when they're younger they, that that setup though gives it a couple things that i think are are marvelous in this movie right yeah so one this ship is not designed in any way shape or form to remind us of a scientific journey no our our dear friend and patron howard once asked us a question, we were doing a Q&A episode. And I think he said this, Disney's Black Hole and Star Trek came out the same year. Yeah. And he's like, why did this one do so much better? And you just hit it right there. It's the relatability. It's watching these people sit in a spaceship, which is miraculous to us. Yeah. But they're smoking. They have a cat. They're arguing about their shares when they get home and going to get drunk and party. Yeah. Right? When they walk around the ship, there's just a room where the, the ship is where there's water leaking everywhere. Yeah. And we just see an overworked, stressed man get water on his face. And a real spaceship, uncontrolled liquid movement is dangerous. Means death. It's not a thing yeah. that exists, right? But they, they find a way where there, there's this absolute believability in the world, even though... Because that's the thing. Star Trek and Black Hole were like, hey, do you want to be a big fucking nerd? Right? Do you just want to do the most homework to get on a spaceship? Right. And this movie just said, hey, man, that'll be your job someday. Right? Whether you like it or not, that'll be the job of the future. Right. And so you have this just very relatable entry point, especially because the opening of this movie feels long. Oh, yeah. Right? It's a long time before we it's, start. And I think it's one it's of those when you've seen it. Yeah. You, you get so much more out of it knowing what's to come. But that first viewing, right, they expected a lot. Like, imagine a world where audiences hadn't seen Alien. Right. They're asking a lot of that audience to buy in, and I think that relatability is huge. Yeah. And that relatability also is weaponized by the mother device. That these guys, where he's like, I'm just a captain. Like, I just do what the science officer says. When he goes and asks mother what to do, 
Yeah. Mother is their absolute life-giving force on a journey that long. Right. Like, they go to sleep and Mother does everything. Yeah. And then we find out that Mother really works for Big Brother. And it's horrifying. It's like the, these little people really are expendable in this greater, not only, like, capitalistic machine, but just space itself is fucking scary. Yeah. When they're like, we don't want to answer the call. We want to get home safe. I relate to that. That makes that drop scene way more intense because you're yeah. like – yeah, Why are totally. they going to do the rescue? I but think that well, yeah. I think like, that's a key you bring up. That's like the argument, and I think that's what's interesting is these guys are put into these blue collar guys are put into a situation that they have absolutely no interest, like no in, no um, no business, but most importantly, no interest because they've done their yeah. job to be redirected. They're not Marines. They're not yeah. science. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to storm this alien world. Like, to what? be redirected to a distress signal. I like their argument in the very beginning where they're like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, why the fuck do we have to come out the way out? Why do we have to go over there? We've done our job. Like, this is not fair. It's a really- also they have to wake up. It's going to cost them like months of their life. Like, yeah, this is a big decision. It's a big deal. Like this they is- land on a world that has not breathable atmosphere and deep cold. Yeah. That's insane to ask someone to do. That. It's insane. To, it's like if <laughs> that's like, asking those ice road trucker guys it's like hey do you guys just mind doing this only in antarctica like all the time and they're like no unless i get like paid an absurd amount of money and you know then the yeah this ancient rune kind of dipped out we heard these inhuman sounds can you just like drive over there can you just drive no over there problem chuck <laughs> right grind and, until you find it chuck right and apparently in the future there's no teamsters so like you know you're just like well there's no, I mean, there's no Jimmy Hoffa's yeah. here to Harry protect Dean our Stan was trying to get his Union 15 constantly. <laughs> he was desperate for his Union 15. But I think that's like a really important thing about this movie is, other than Ash, as we find out, absolutely no one is qualified to, absolutely nobody is qualified to handle this. Like, specifically no one. You bring up a great point that i want to hone in on i think dallas is a fascinating character in this movie same because when you start the movie he's our captain right he's our rugged captain who's kind of telling him to shut up about the money right we got a job to do he's that guy as the movie unfolds his incompetence is just highlighted at every turn right he's just a guy who's been on a lot of runs right he knows how to do the basic job and i think what what ended up making the alien franchise was the fact that they let the captain be so flawed. And we we highlight Ripley, right? The third officer, Ripley. We see her kind of skills and determination, right? That she had the extra thing that they didn't. Right. But watching Dallas just try to figure this out, just saying like, all right, well, I'll do whatever Ash says. Not being able to find the the secret mission that, that Ripley finds, right? right? Or at the end when he's like, I'll go flush it out. And he's just in there with a flamethrower. When he actually gets fucking scared and he's like, I'm out. And he tries to run down the stairs and he turns and that alien jumps out. One of the best, best shots. jump scares ever. Like, yeah. just put that in a fucking museum. All That movie is constantly telling us he's not the guy he thinks he is. He's not in. That's the thing. He's He is maybe worthy of the position he has. Until you go off script, right? Once you pull him off mother's teeth. He really fucking flounders. And I think that was an incredible decision in the storytelling because yeah. Ripley was originally written to be a man. It was not written to be Sigourney Weaver. Right. And so this is kind of that magic of the movie making process. Right. Is however it happened. It gave us one of the greatest heroines in movie history. Right. And so watching Dallas struggle. Right. Watching Kane when they're out on this alien world. And, uh, God, what's the other woman character's name? Lambert? Lambert, right? And she's like, we got to turn back. And Kane, John Hurt, just goes, we've come this far. We have to push on. Right. Right? Ignoring every fact in front of him for this blind pursuit of something. Yeah. Then he gets fucking got, right? They're constantly reinforcing this. These guys are not up to the task, which I think distills down into... Us as a species are not up to the fucking task. <laughs> we cannot conquer yeah. all of space, right? It's, yeah, like this is a this is something that I think, like, 
de- like space exploration stories to space expo- exploration movies do a very good like good ones do a very good job of understanding is that the human fallibility uh like the fallibility of humanity is that especially space ex- space explorers for some reason is that everything will be okay like all of them go into every single space mission and be like it'll probably be all right like there's We're the chosen ones. God only, chose us. There's, like, only well, he doesn't a exist few mo- <laughs> there's only a few movies that address the very obvious notion that, like, we're probably all going to die. Like, there's like, <laughs> there's a couple of moments. Like, Sunshine does it pretty oh. well. Like, that nihilism of, like, yeah, we're not going to survive. This well, time. we talked about this in our, our movie marathon coming up next month. Here's a clue if you haven't figured it out. The movie jumps, like, 3,000 years into the history of Earth. And I think we all were like, that's pretty good. If you told me right now humans had another 3,000 years, I'm like, oh, we worked some stuff out. Yeah. Like, we're doing pretty good. I think it's totally, most of us, I think, naturally believe somewhere in our hearts that there will be a time sooner than we think where humans do not exist anymore. Yeah. Right? And this, that's what, because that's the thing. When you get to Aliens, right? Again, they're making a totally different movie. That's a ripping action movie that still somehow maintains all of the things you love about Aliens. But this first one, there is a lonely desperation that I think is so integral to space settings, especially if you're doing a space horror film. You have to have that isolation, that loneliness, that desperation, that no one can come help me for, like, months. Absolutely. Right? And this movie really fucking hones in on that. They're walking through a dead ship of a great civilization that seemingly is more advanced than ours. It is giants. And they do not have the proper respect and all. They have that basic, we're human, so we're cool. Right. They do not have the, when he says it looks like the giant burst from the inside. Right. They don't all go, fuck this shit, and run away. (laughs) Yeah. When he sees eggs hidden under a mist layer, he's like, I better get close enough to slip and fall in. Yeah. He never at any point goes, this is too big for me. Fuck out of here. This yeah. is too big for me. I'm going to run. That's like the folly. There is like that folly of man thing where it's like, again, everything will work out, right? Like that is. This reminds me of the thing I've been seeing online really where there's this clip on Instagram of these two full grown like Kodiak grizzly bears, right? I know those are two different bears, whatever kind they are. Just fighting to the death. They are fucking each other up. They're huge. They're like the size of a car, right? These 2000 plus pound monsters just killing each other. And the caption on the Instagram reel is, there are men who think they could beat these things in a fight. <laughs> and I was like, I am I think I got drunk once yeah. and said that I believed that with but a battle axe, Conan the Barbarian style, I could work my way up to like lion tiger sized animals in a hand to hand fight. When in reality, I could probably kill almost no fucking animals hand-to-hand because they're fucking animals. They have weapons. They live outside. They're trained in in battle. But, like, we get drunk and we're like, we could probably do this. Yeah. (laughs) We could probably nail this. That's, like, that's what it is. It is the, like, it is the... It is the false confidence of someone who's, like, not wasted, but just mildly drunk enough to say, I could fight a cat. I don't even think most humans have to be drunk. We're just, like... We wear underwear. Yeah. We run this world, right? Do those things wear underwear? They work for me. And then the tiger's like, no, I don't. No, I do I not. I digest you. I piss right? where I want. I'm not a part of you. my food. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's fucking. But that's just how we are. We just don't fucking. We don't have that concept that we are not the center of the universe. So, again, this is the. This society, right? They don't show us very much. But by learning about mother. By learning about their job. By learning about the fact that we want to get this. We get a pretty clear picture of the society we're in, right? This advanced society, right, where it's we need resources, resources, money, money. We're still making all of the exact same mistakes, right? Seeing that giant creature with his chest burst open, and they don't react that startlingly. We yeah. know that they have, and they don't know that this beacon's human either. They mention that. So we know that we live in a world where God is dead. We know we live in a world where we know that we are not alone. So these these fallibilities of us, right, as the center of the universe, right, as the morally chosen to live in this Garden of Eden, that shit should be dead. But what the movie's telling us is that it's not. It's baked into our very genetic makeup, right, is that we always, no matter where we go, walk around like it's our shit. 
in what happens when something else out there disagrees. And so I think that the world building of this movie for how contained it is, is what separates it from a lot of other peers it has. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's just that is what that is what makes it better than Black Hole and Star Trek the year it came out. That's I think what that's what makes it. it better than Aliens, too, honestly. There is well, this vast unknown to it. Sure. I think, I think it's crucial. The technique, I mean, yeah, Aliens is very, I mean, Aliens is just a different movie. I'm because, not here to say a fucking bad word about Aliens. No, I not at fucking all. love that movie. I do, too. I, and look, I think what you're saying makes sense, though. Like, because Aliens has the benefit of this movie being its precursor, the world building they do is just, is the extraneous world building you would do in essentially the three hour version of this movie where you have a 30 minute preamble explaining what the Wayland you Corporation. Yeah, we see a board exactly. meeting, right? Oh, they're terraforming places. Exactly. All stuff that makes sense. The, but- the important, I think the very important thing, and you said it, the very important thing about this is the isolation you feel. So if you know nothing about these people other than the fact that they're long hauling mineral ore across the universe, that's really all you need to know. They're unqualified space truckers who are sent on an SOS mission because they're told that that's part of the Weyland-Yutani Corporation's standard policy when a transmission comes through. And all everybody has the proper reaction. That meeting... When Dallas is like, yeah, yeah, it's a, like, what is an SOS? No. Is it human? Unknown. It's like, really? So we're just going to go and fucking do this, huh? This is what we're doing. Like, we are not these people. We're not a rescue team. This is like, that is the natural reaction. I think that the thing that Alien does better than any other movie of its kind is... Because all these people are truly human, like truly human in a way that's like, mm-hmm. except for one, of course. But, um, but he plays the human. Card. But he plays we'll the that. human. I can't part. wait to talk about that. Yeah. But like, because these people are truly like not, they're not space. They're not you know space cadets. They're not science officers. Like they are <laughs> not people who are. They're not yeah. people who are trying to explore the galaxy. These are not ranger dangers, right? Yeah. These, these guys are just trying. Like us. They're just trying to fucking get their job done. They're trying to do their nine to five so they can get home. Yeah. Because of that, the fallibility and the problems they run into and the things that eventually happen to them are so fucking believable because you're just like, of course you would make that mistake. Like there are things that happen. Like I think now would probably be a time I would say like a key scene in this movie to me is the like so after Kane gets a face hugger attached attached to his face. Mm-hmm. Trying to bring him back into the ship and Ripley. Just the design denies. of that thing, like tightening around his throat Good every God, time they dude. touch it, like that really fucking scared me when I was little. Yeah, I could feel crazy. my own throat being constricted just watching that simple movement. Yeah, I mean Blah. it's it's unbelievable. But yeah, when they're trying to get Kane back into the ship and Ripley flat out denies it because of quarantine procedure, like quarantine procedure is right. twenty four hours. You have to wait twenty four hours. Like you could infect the whole ship, mm-hmm. and. Dallas and Ash are both pushing really hard. Like we got to get him back on the ship, but he's not going to survive. I don't know. I've always been really curious. I obviously we all know why Ash is pushing for it, but Dallas is a really, like you're saying, he's a really fascinating character. Like there is this, I guess the, we got to get our guy back in and we got to save our guy, but Mm That's the only real reason I could ever think of for why Dallas wants him back on the ship so quickly. Because otherwise, I mean, right? You know, if you're running a crew, you'd be like, I don't know what to do. Like, that's right. I've never seen. I've never fucking seen that thing before. Let him wait in the airlock for twenty four hours. Yeah. Well, like you said, we know on a second viewing, it's so fun to watch Ash because we know he's we know what he's doing the whole time. Yeah. The moment this moment is actually crucial because it leads to the Ripley Ash conversation. I love. Yeah. I think what you see in this moment is that Dallas is scared. He's overwhelmed. He's losing his buddy who's his second in command. They might have known each other for a long time. Right. I think he's fucking scared. Totally. And Ash is offering him, if you just bring him in here, I will take this off your plate. He's just a man who knows he's not up to the moment. And he's fucking scared. 
And that's another fear that this movie really hits on is that fear of I'm not enough. Right. I am incompetent. I am facing something bigger. And again, this is a man who just saw this alien craft. This thing's attached to him. I think for him, it's just I want someone else to deal with this, not me. Right. Right. And so Ripley's doing that. We have codes. This has to, I mean, you could kill us all. Ash is like, we have to get the scene later when Ripley's like, hey, man, you broke quarantine. Like, that's not very science offer officer. Yeah. And Ash says, I'm sorry. I wanted to save my friend, essentially. Right. Like, so sue me. Right. He is disguising himself as a human. Playing the the heartstring card on Ripley, turning her into the calculating robot. I think that scene is fucking crucial because, again, it's hard for me to go back in my mind to a time before I knew that Ash was this duplicitous robot. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because there's that there's that level of it. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of this, and this is something I never this is something when I was younger, I didn't necessarily pick up on. But now I realize this is the layer you use in the seven. This is the layer you're using in like seventy nine. To, sh- to cover what's going to happen with Ash in the, later in the movie, which is this like level of misogyny. Because when she's like, Ash, when Dallas is Dallas and Kane are off the ship, I'm the senior officer. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's like, you fucking dick. You fucking know this. You just have a penis, so you think you just run this shit. That is or very uncool. You think he's got a Robocock down there? I think he's anatomically correct, yeah. I think you have to. I think Damn. so. Well, in case some, someone like rolled see, up on him, this is like the other thing that this is the other thing that's like it makes it almost impossible to not talk about. Like to when you don't know that Ash is an android, like and that this is like a really important thing. When you don't know that Ash is an android, he seems just like a fucking dickhead. Like he and like. Making he seems really, like a character from Star Trek. He's a stodgy science dude. Right. Making bad science decisions, like not like bad, bad science, like sort of some of these other things that he's doing. God, this but, is not the most glamorous ship to be a science officer. Yeah. Just yeah, assume like, he's bad at his job. <laughs> yeah, we're assuming that and but then like you start picking up on some of these clues when you watch it again and you know what's going on. Like for instance, like Dallas describes like, Oh yeah. Like I've worked with the same science officer five times. Ash is the guy that they gave me two days before we shipped out. And you're like, Hmm. Okay. This well, is all there's a tracking. great moment early, right? Where they're walking through the storm. They get on the ship and her and Ash are talking, right? Ripley and Ash. And she yeah. says, this is not an SOS. I think this is a warning. Yeah. And he's like, we should call them and let them know. And he, Ash kind of quickly shuts her down, right? And he's like, by the time they get that, they'll already know one way or another. And so you see early on his duplicity. Yeah. But at first, like you said, it just plays as like shitty crewmates. Yeah. It just plays like really shitty misogyny, to be honest with you. Right. And as you go on, you're like, oh, I see. I see. And also the fact that he decides that's his blending in mechanism. Yeah. Is to treat her like that, right? It's like when she goes down to the mechanic level and they have that fucking tube spraying. They're like, what? What? Yeah. And they turn it off. They're like, <laughs> right? Like, so he's seen this behavior and he's like, this is how I'll fit in and bond with everyone. Right. And so, well, let's just talk about Ash now. Because this yeah. is, it's a, it's a strange extra ad in the movie, I would say, right? In like the beginning of this process. Why are we adding this other thing? I you, I, yeah, I the, love the, Ash. Yeah. I love Ash by the end of this movie, right? But it feels like a why are we taking the focus off of this alien thing? Yeah. I, I mean think I think Ash serves a really fun purpose in this, right? Right. Which is the moment he fucking turns, right? That scene where he's like, Yeah, is that a reason for this? And he's right by Rip. She's like, Oh god, she starts fucking attacking him. Oh man, the fucking what the, it the does sweat is it, bead. Oh, so right. Good. It reminds the human crew of this movie is that the unknown has been among them the whole time. Yeah. There is no safety. Even in their ship, they're not safe. Everywhere they go for the rest of their days, they'll see a human and not know if he's human or not. Right. They'll never know if they can... That these these inhuman forces that are guiding their life, right? Ash, Mother, the Xenomorph. These, these fucking unknown entities are constantly fucking playing with them. And so the idea of, yeah, why put a robot in the middle, right, and do that fight instead of just having more Xenomorph, I think it's that that destruction of the last layer of safety. Yeah. Well, 
it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of like the design of the xenomorph like the design of the xenomorph is so alien it has no features that would even come bring it familiar it's not there's nothing familiar about it there is a man staring at us who is not what he seems that is true terror is like there's yeah a foreign substance on this ship that we have no fucking idea what it is there is a person on this ship who's not who he says he is who now also represents this like terror of like faceless corporate greed mm-hmm. that is like that like truly like is one of those great <laughs> it's one of those great metaphors for like the 70s up to the 80s is just like jesus christ like literally there's just this giant conglomerate telling us what the fuck to do. Like Texaco could tell you to go into deep right. space to mine for metal. And it's only or... gotten worse with time, right? Oh, like yeah. we it's all only always feel that the corporations are just fucking taking yeah. and growing. And it's like this boot heel on your. It's this boot heel on but your neck. That that's a great stop. point you bring up, right? Is that everything in this movie is scary on so many levels? Because Ash is the inhuman, the destruction of home, right? That annihilation of trusting your reality the reason the fact that the corporation sent a a robot that will follow commands to specifically make sure you guys get the job done or you're destroyed yeah right i mean that ash is a terrifying concept on a lot of fucking levels yeah right and i think that's what this movie always it's always operating on all of these fucking fears that we feel across the fucking board right and so when you see the xenomorph, right? It is played by a human. Um, I'm gonna butcher this name. I feel like Bolaji Bajeo, right? Cl- close enough. <laughs> Wonderful, great actor, right? I've seen uh some featurettes on him. He was just this great fucking guy, great creature actor, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about him, but his performance, right? He he gets so much out of this xenomorph, right? With the movement, my favorite xenomorph moment is when Ripley thinks she's safe in the dropship. Right. And she's like, ah, she's in her like, you know, pajama outfit. She's all ready. And you just see the xenomorph moving like it's part of the tubing. Yeah. It's like built into the set that this organic creature just it's almost as if it's evolved to fucking look like spaceship tubing. Yeah. But when he comes out and he's kind of looking around. Right. Or when it ah, reaches out, I mean, just fucking stunning work. Right. Like just fucking this reminds me of when we watched that. Um. I watched that Nightmare on Elm Street, like, four-hour documentary. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how for part two, they replaced Robert Englund they didn't want to pay him. Yeah. And, like, within a couple days of shooting, they're like, oh, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. That Freddy Krueger is more than just that costume. That there is, there's mannerisms and movements we need. Right. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that we, we said that, right? Because this movie, the cast is fucking great, right? Yeah. From Tom Skerritt to Harry Dean Stanton, uh... What's it? Yafet Kodo? Is that how you say his name? This is so. awesome fucking character actor. I forget what Bond movie he was in, but I fucking loved him in that. He was in. But they're all just fucking great, right? Like, just a great cast. Yeah. But he was in Live and Let, he was in Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die, right. But I don't think you can just say that anyone could have done that xenomorph like it was performed. No. But it, it's great. But, yeah, so Ash, the duplicitous Ash, I, I, I still fucking laugh. One of my favorite decisions ever is when Ash... One decides he's going to kill Ripley with a magazine. <laughs> he's <clears throat> just fucking furious, right? And I'm like, just yeah. move your head. Yeah, just that's it. Roll your head to seven. And then when uh, <laughs> when <laughs> Parker comes in and Ash's attack is like, I'm going to squish your tit so hard. <laughs> he's like, ah! <laughs> and he rips his tit. And then he's freaking out. And the white blood is coming out. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. This movie has, it's another thing we see from both of the inhuman characters is their fluid coming out. It's another way to reinforce that they are not natural. They're truly alien. Right? The acid blood scene is wonderful. Also, just a brilliant screenwriting. Besides Parker saying, that's a hell of a defense mechanism you got there. You don't dare kill it. It takes us out of this. This isn't going to be a mindless gun movie. Right. Right? Part two kind of heavily embraces that, but then we see the guns are still useless. But. This is going to be a, a true, like, battle of the wits. Yeah. Right? This is taken down to that primordial level, right? It's like that, that what is it, fucking Tarkovsky show, uh, Primal. Or what's his name? Jindy Tarkovsky? Oh, yeah. Jindy Tartakovsky. Yeah. Yeah, Primal. Tartakovsky. But, yeah, 
this is just going to be a fight, right? So I love all of that bit. I love Jonesy watching. Jonesy's close-up <laughs> looking like fucking Ron Perlman is Harry Dean Stanton gets fucking got. There's just so many. I mean, scene by scene, this movie just yeah. delivers. I think and this is something I wanted to ask you. It's it's hard to go back to that first time because mm-hmm. it's one of those rare movies where it's so fucking iconic in my mind. Yeah, that almost every single scene is seared into my brain, and there's something I got out of this. Sure, we have to talk about the famous dinner scene. Yeah, I wish I could go back. And re-experience that scene for the first time. Watching it now, you're you're so impressed with the the natural flow of the room, seeing Ash smile and then immediately just fucking glare at Kane because he knows what's coming, or at least he thinks he knows what's coming. Yeah. The God, the one burst right, and then like ten seconds before it finally explodes out. Yeah. The blood, the guts, the creature, the fucking running away. The shocked silence. Walk me through. I mean, this is as good a scene as has ever been put on film. I think when I first saw it, it scared. I mean, when I first saw it, when I was scared, a kid, scared the fucking, fucking shit, out shit out of me. Scared like, the shit out of me. Here's the other thing too, and this might be another reason that the and for some and this is, I like that this still scared me because I saw Spaceballs before I saw this movie when I was a kid. Same. Absolutely the same. Hello, my honey. Hello, and my darling. Like, when Hello, I saw it in Spaceballs, it's like, does that happen to people if they eat bad food? Like, I was like, food poisoning? What the hell? He's like kicking <laughs> his little legs. Hello, my honey. <laughs> I'm like, John Hurt's like, oh, not again. I'm like, not again. What the fuck does that mean? I didn't even remember that was actually John Hurt in Spaceballs. Yeah. So I remember seeing that first. And like, I didn't understand that reference. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's kind of gross. It's weird. This movie's weird. Um, And then yeah, when I saw. Pizza the Hut. He ate himself, and now he's dead. Um, I remember seeing this, though, and getting the reference, and it's still scaring the fucking shit out of me. Like, it was... Because it's one of those things that comes on, so it doesn't come out automatically. Mm-hmm. When it's just like that pop of blood, where everyone's like, holy shit. Everyone's like, right. what the fuck's going on? Like, like, famous, they didn't show them. They didn't really tell them what was happening. So their reactions are genuinely, what the fuck? Like, it was <laughs> just this, like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being an actor and being set up like that. Like, I probably would have fucking ran across the room and been like, turn that fucking camera off. This guy's having, like, a problem. Like, Well, it's also great because they had to be imagining what was happening. Yeah. I'm sure- and the fact that, in reality, the, the prop that they used to still be effective is pretty cool because once yeah. people start imagining things, it's, it's hard to always live up to that. Right. So but there's another element of this that I think is aged really well, right? Because a lot of people go back and we've talked about how Ripley is the most competent member of the ship. The other fear this is hitting on is these men who have the power. Yeah. Right. One, I don't think it's a very hidden symbolism, right? Of this thing just jamming its fucking reproductive organ into his mouth. Yeah. Can't say that's Not necessarily a subtle reference at all. Right. And then, but this is that absolute fear that men don't have to experience very often. Right. The fear of this, this oral penetration, right? That you're afraid of, right? Especially back in the seventies, right? I think now, hopefully that people are more, you know, who gives a fuck? Fuck whoever you want. Be kind to people. I think we're getting better about it, but it's still out there, right? Right. I still know people to this day that, are afraid of looking too feminine when they do activities, which is fucking crazy. It's 2023. Jesus we got bigger Christ. problems. Who cares? But that that putting your male audience, right, where this number two in command is penetrated orally against his will. Right. And then does not have the autonomy of his body because Ash does not tell him what's growing inside of him. Yeah. And he's forced to give birth to something he did not choose or want. I think in 2023, this fucking symbolism still rings very true and is very important for audiences to have to sit in. The physical <laughs> manifestation yeah. of something blowing your chest out yeah. is fucking terrifying. But on another level, the idea that someone can put something into your fucking body you don't want 
enforce you to suffer the consequences and rip your body open. That is a is a pretty fucking important visual for us to remember. Fairly apt metaphor in 2023. <laughs> right when you start saying, "Wow, that's fucked up." Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We yes, know. it fucking is. Right in space and at home. But I just, I mean, that scene. It's just that's one the, of those. That's the thing. De defining this movie by even like here are the five scenes would be an impossibility. It is. It. I mean, it is truly one of the few movies that I can say is like. And it's not like a Matrix thing where it's like, oh, I can't tell you what it is. But I kind of can't tell you what it is. Like, you have to really just experience what this is. Because you know, this is another thing, too, is people who have. I'm not saying people make shitty versions of this, but nothing's been as good as this, obviously. Or as iconic, I'd say. I think there's one called Creature that. Yep. Like, there's a lot of knockoff right. versions of Alien. <laughs> but there's this thing about, basically, once it turns into truly, like, a haunted house in space, it's still, like, it's not some hackneyed premise. It still is really good and terrifying because the element, it's not even an element of surprise. It's just this element of not knowing what you're walking into. Like, that... Right throughout the entire movie is such an important thread that none of these people have any fucking idea except for one what they're walking into right well what it is is that scene when dallas is like i'll go flush him out right it is so perfectly executed right we have the clicking of the monitor click mm -hmm. click it gets closer click 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 the pacing the the editing how they're doling out what we need to get to the highest level of tension we can could not be done better, right? At the end, when we see Ripley trying to slide into that spacesuit, grab her harpoon, singing the Lucky Star song, praying that she'll get a moment Ugh, to God, blow man. this thing out of the airlock. Then she harpoons it. It somehow comes back to the ship. She hits it with the fucking jet engine of this spacecraft, and it still just gets blown away, not even annihilated. Barely, yeah. So it what this movie get, it just is... flies off. Even as she wins... Right. And we are like, what if she harpoons it and the acid blood blows a hole in the ship? She's dead, too. Right. What if when they fry it, the blood melts everything? Anywho, what this movie is telling us is that as man is reaching out to the stars and we're now infecting other planets with our our fallibilities. Right. Right. Eventually, nature will balance the scales. It will come for us, and it finally has designed something that we cannot defeat, right? That we cannot use our guns on. We cannot use the things we use to fucking conquer right. everything else, our guns and our swords and whatever. Right. And it is just a matter well, of time. It's a think matter that's like, of survival. I think that's the other thing about that, too, is all these things that, all these things that we don't have to think about to use, like guns, mm -hmm. to defend ourselves and such what a, what the xenomorph requires is this it's not is 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 a is a thought process you have to think through and because the xenomorph does not have to think it's just like ash says it is perfect it's a perfect organism so ash when he gets his head knocked off and he's sitting there in the milk with just his head yeah that monologue love that monologue love that that whole Ian scene Holm is just is unbelievable fucking amazing yeah. but he talks about right that he says, you can't survive this. You have no chance. Um, and Lambert goes, you admire it. And he says, I admire its purity. It's not clouded by morals. It's not clouded by this fear of mortality. It is just a perfect engine of survival. Yeah. It procreates. It destroys. It eats. And it makes more. That's all this fucking thing does. It's a pointed, aggressive jaws. Yeah. Right? It is the thing that will come from the dark and replace us. The ultimate fear that we've ever had is that. Well, is that something's going to come something from the will dark replace and us our on the top of the food chain. will not be right. enough. Our gifts will not matter. Our higher brain functions won't matter because we won't have the time to use them. Because this thing doesn't require the higher brain function to do what it does. It just does. That right, and we, we've gotten to terror. this point as a society where we the other things in the dark, we spend a lot of time and money trying to convince each other that it's other people. Right. And when something does answer that bell and truly comes from the abyss, 
to have at us, right? Because nature's had enough. I cannot fathom how fucking terrifying it will be. Yeah. And when I, you see this xenomorph and they're in that ship and there's nowhere to go. There's fucking nowhere at all you can go to be safe. It's, it's perfect. This is this is as perfect a film. It's not part of my official perfect film list, but. But it is as perfect a film as you're going to find. And I think that it is. That's what we said this on a couple pods, right? There are movies that are just made so fucking well. You can make a movie that good. You can't make a movie better. I would have Alien in that that VIP lounge. Absolutely. My hat's off to Aline. Quite a film. And it's also the best <laughs> Alien movie. This is, We don't have to put them against and fight, but it's kind of fun when you do podcasts and, you know, create this stuff. If we were just ranking them, this to me is number one by a mile. You know what's interesting? I think that I would probably just, the order that they go in is pretty much... Like my one, two, three, four. Like I, I, I would have I, resurrection over three, three okay. which people would probably be mad at me about. And then the others, I'm not the sure. Post I can... Prometheus. Someday we might have to go because I'll say this up front: that is the most disappointed I've ever been leaving a movie theater. I don't know if everyone remembers that Prometheus trailer. That is one of the great awesome. first trailers that's ever come out. I knew in my mind I was going to see my new favorite movie. I went the very first midnight screening I could find because I knew this was going to be a life-changing movie for me. And it was, but in a different way than I expected. Um, I, but I have been meaning to go back and see if I've softened. There are, we talked about this. There are a lot of times when like, you're not into something. You give it a couple years to roll around in your brain, and you, you can appreciate it differently. Yeah. he did before i would be very interested if prometheus has hit that that level for me you know this is something that it's actually just happened this week with um, my wife when we both went and saw interstellar we were both like man that was all right and she re-watched it like two nights ago i came home and she was like and she was watching interstellar like, the fuck are you watching she's like interstellar i'm like why she's like i don't know but i'm, I'm really working through some emotional stuff i'm really i'm really feeling this and i was like all right like, I, yeah. it's okay to re-examine and change your opinion on things. Like, also, it's a, movies change with you as you yeah, live more you life. You change as a person, so therefore your taste might change. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know okay that I've had any traumatic life experiences that'll make Prometheus okay with me. Yeah, like I don't. That think also I'm, did that fucking horse shit that Khan did, right? Where they're like, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't Khan. What are you guys talking about? And then in the theater, he's like, I'm con. And all of us knew. And then other people were like, what does that mean? Yeah. What, at the end, they're like, this isn't really an weird, alien movie. There was that weird the trend where they were like rebooting these franchises, but not wanting to say they were rebooting Yeah, they the wanted franchises. to make it a trick when the Xenomorph showed up at the end. Or like the, you know, Minimorph, whatever the fuck it was. Neither here nor there. We're not here to fucking do Prometheus. Someday, maybe yeah. on Patreon. Maybe, Maybe on Patreon we'll talk that. about how fucking stupid it is that a map maker can't find his way out of the location he mapped out. Or that like when people get infected by the little white sperms that it doesn't affect humans in the same way. Some of them become zombies. Like, who knows? Neither here nor there. Maybe. My hope is that someday I'll love Prometheus. That would be awesome. Same. Because then I'll just have another another joint to love. But neither here nor there. I hope. You guys have enjoyed Alien as much as we have. Eileen, I hope you've enjoyed Eileen as much as we have. We'll be back next week with what another uh, wonderful dive into the Alien universe. Aliens, the James Cameron big loud gun joint, which is super fucking awesome and super fun. Dope. Can't wait to talk about that. So stay with us this month, guys. Coming up in April, we have a massive event we're dropping. A wonderful event where we're going to completely dissect an entire franchise. We're joined by our dear friends, Jay Rollins. So I hope you guys uh, will enjoy this month. We're very excited to announce next month. It's going to be Which we'll do later this month. Uh, (laughs) Again, if you want to support the show, help us keep doing what we're doing. Patreon.com slash FilmAlchemistPod. We appreciate it. The YouTube FilmAlchemist, the email FilmAlchemistPod at gmail.com. Leave those ratings and reviews so we can stick it to mother. Make sure you tell a friend what we're doing here. They'll thank you later, and so will we. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino. Bye! Don't trust that science officer.